I'm Nick, playing host, while uh, Dan is still out. A little bit more info on that in just a minute. Uh, but with me this week, I do have the rest of the gang. I got Scott with us. Can I get a hooyah? You still haven't told me what that means, so you can't. <laughs> and then I got uh, Devin. Hooyah. And uh, Rob's with us, too. Okay. Huh. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Uh, oh, we, we, uh, we have heard from Dan. Uh, he's been messaging us. He's actually... Uh, you know, he's, he's back in the hospital with some sort of, you know, eh, I don't want to say complications, but, you know, he's just getting a little more care here as, as he continues to recover. But he's in good spirits. In fact, he's sending us cheery messages while on a morphine drip. So those are getting pretty entertaining. <laughs> trying to encourage him to go online shopping and then see what shows up in a week. But uh, no luck uh, getting him to, to pull out the Amazon cart yet. So uh, but uh, we got to get him to change the name. We got to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> I know. What, what should we change it to? I don't know. Something, something like V-Bar just... SAB Hangout, and then we can't change it back for 30 days and watch everybody explode. I know, right? We have to pledge our allegiance to it. What's a brand that Dan hates that we could like swear our allegiance to and change the podcast name? <laughs> Elaine's a double agent. You better watch out. She's listening. I know. She's, she's going she's gonna to tell him. When, gonna when, once he's it. got his, his wits about him, she's going to warn him. Um, yeah, she's gonna get but what's up, Elaine? Up. You must be going through 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 a lot, uh, helping Dan through this while you're still recovering from knee surgery. So uh, thanks, Elaine, if you are still listening to us crazy people. So I'm uh, happy to be back. I missed last week. I was uh, working up a storm on the West Coast. So time zone wise, that gets uh, kind of hard to be able to check in for record time. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go first with uh, yeah. what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Nick? So. Uh, I ordered some servos for the raw nitro. Uh, as I mentioned, I did go with experts, uh, mainly just for the removable servo leads, because I do anticipate stuffing this thing into the ground. I know they can't go 760, which if I put it, so I'm probably not going to put an Evo uh, on this bird. I've got plenty of Neos anyway, so I'll probably just take one of my Neos and then put the Evo on maybe one of my other birds when those show up. I... I don't know if I get a no-fly. It's like 50%. In the last week, I didn't fly, but I did fly within the last two weeks. So since I was on the podcast, uh, I did go out and fly with the Atlanta Heli crew on Saturday, which was awesome. Uh, I had a great day of flying. Yeah. Uh, it was it was one of those like super gray overcast days, so visibility was really hard. But I flew the Nimbus 550, and man, I flew that thing. That thing is such a good 550 on low head speed. Like I was just practicing really smooth circuits. Uh, I did a ton of backward stuff with it. And I flew that thing for 10 minutes on a 5,000 milliamp pack. Just like nice. super low, super smooth kind of circuits and circles. And like, I, don't know, I was just having a good old yeah. time with it. Big old grin on nice my face. Nice and chill. Um, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I got the uh, my RAW 580, which now has the new fluorescent scheme on it, which is fantastic for visibility, especially on an overcast day. Uh, one, I'm definitely the most visible heli in my fleet in those kind of conditions. So 
that's definitely going to be like you go outside you see all gray like that helicopter's coming with me i can see it better than any of my 700s right now so which all makes right. me excited to get that 700 raw nitro built because that's in the same scheme so that'll be another good bigger bird that'll show up real well but uh i did get a bunch of flights in on the white uh stormtrooper raw which is a, a three blade now and that thing man I, <sighs> that saturday was the mm-hmm. first time i've had a lot of confidence on that helicopter like we finally gelled and at 1300 rpm that three blade raw is just mm, man nice yeah, i was flying that thing lower than i ever have because normally i'm pretty nervous on that thing i don't want to crash it but man i just like we just gelled i felt more confident was doing a lot more down low and just was just again huge grins seven minute flights at those rpms just having a ball so that was great it's always but, good when uh, the flying's like that man when it feels good for sure yeah it was it was a great day i was stoked um this week however too much work too much kid stuff uh you know saturday alone was like Three basketball games, two soccer games, and a birthday party. Uh, so, you know, there, there's no flying when that happens. So, you know, life has been kind of winning. I'm uh, in Boston now until Friday night, but I do have two weeks at home after this trip. So once I finish this, I'm excited to get a lot more flying in. Uh, and then sad news at Atlanta RC again, sadly. Um, you may have seen mm. us because we made the national news again. So yeah, after briefly again. reclaiming our flying field from the protesters, uh, because the police have had a large presence in that area. Uh, the protesters decided to throw a festival this week. So they, it was kind of a open to the public, come down and have peaceful music and, and whatnot. And they built it as this peaceful protest. What they didn't really build, and what Atlanta RC didn't know, was that they actually held this festival on our field. So they didn't ask us if they could use it. But because it's the largest open green space near the woods that they're protesting about... They basically just took it over without permission. So hundreds of people, you know, hundred some cars parked all over our field. There was literally a fucking bouncy house at the center of the goddamn runway that somebody took a picture yeah. of. Like one of our one of our club members threw a drone up and took some photos. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, um, so lame, dude. So lame. You know, build this as more of an environmental protest. There were a lot of families there. There were kids there, hence the bouncy house. So the police didn't really do anything until nighttime hit. And, and this is where we unfortunately made the news. Uh, there were 35 people arrested. There was a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of hostility between the protesters and the police, unfortunately. Again, I don't want to get political here, but the protesters torched a bunch of construction vehicles in the woods that are, that are working on clearing the land for this project. You know, Molotov cocktails and whatnot, they were throwing those at the police. So 35 people got arrested. Interestingly, out of the 35 people arrested at the protests, only two were from the state of Georgia, and something like 10 of them are from out of the country. I don't know who the hell these people are, why they're at my flying field, but if they could just please go home, like literally no one from Georgia is involved in this, and it's super, super frustrating. I don't want to keep talking about it, but I just, you know, when we make the news and there's arrests and fighting, it's just, it's, I'm just over it. So I'm sorry to keep talking about it. I should probably just let it go and stop bringing it up here but it pissed me off i don't know something about that bouncy house on the runway just was like i don't know <laughs> i was really really mad yeah. the other night and you know all, you all our club mates are texting each other and just you know none of us are happy about it but whatever on to better things uh, i'm excited to get home to to go flying um at a different field <laughs> probably coming up in a week so you know just four four more days i think on this run and then i'm home for two weeks so I'm excited for that, you know, excited to uh, get back to some building. Oh, uh, one other thing that was fun for me 
in my one night at home between jobs, I did a really fun collaboration with Jeff West, who's another one of the content creators with HeliDirect. He does a lot of videos. And he and I put a video together that I now need to edit about how to choose your first helicopter, kind of aimed at beginners. And uh, we had a lot of fun. You know, cool. I didn't know Jeff all that well, but we were just shooting the bull for like two hours and filming the whole time. And it went between just getting to know each other and, and, and you know, palling around and talking about helicopters. And, and we had a great old time. It was a lot like what recording the podcast is, just a lot of fun between two dudes passionate about the hobby. So that was cool. So I'm excited for that to come out. But, uh, Dude, that's, but, cool, but that's it for me. Who, uh, who wants to go next? Rob, you chimed in. You want to go? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I'll go next. You got to dabble in the hobby. It's cool that you guys to do that collab with Jeff. You know, that sounds like it was a lot of fun, man. That's pretty cool. It was, man. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So for me, it wasn't quite like escape from New York, like you to try and fly my helicopters. So I got to do some shakedown flights in the yard, um, just hovering around, hopping up in my back lot and doing some little things. And it's been getting warmer around here. So by the end of the week here, just before recording you know, yesterday, uh, which would have been Sunday, um, I got to go uh, out to this other spot that I fly at, this little cul-de-sac, and uh, brought the uh, T-Rex 600 and uh, the, the 570 out and just had a great old time. You know, I flew uh, four or six packs out there, just a lot of big air flights and, you know, just some reinforcement from simming, you know, getting out into the analog world. And uh, dude, I tell you what, guys, the simming's paying off. I, you know, I went out and I flew yesterday and it was just a lot more confidence there. You know, it just felt like everything that I decided I wanted to try, of course, because I'm in real life, I'm a couple of mistakes high and stuff like that. And things look a little sloppy, but all of my orientations are starting to gel a little bit better. Um, collective management's gelling a little bit better. So I just felt super comfortable uh, flying around. Still, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm still to where I don't have a good enough, like uh, that fine-tuned control of a trick. You know, I can't really keep it in the bubble, so to speak, right, as well as I'd like to. So when I fly in around, it's not a lot of good, really good transitions. It kind of looks more like Napoleon Dynamite dancing around in the air, I guess, than, than anything else. But it's still fun. And, you know, I, I find myself doing maneuvers that don't look like the standard maneuvers that I see people do, but they are pleasing to my eye. And um, I just do them. And the only other guy I've ever heard say that is Tarek Al Saadi. And I'm by no means anywhere near that. But that's kind of the spirit that I'm going with. I'm not trying to, I got to, you know, learn this trick because it's the most complicated F3C trick or something like that. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't know, man. My week was fun. You know, I just settled into it. I didn't uh, actually, you know what? I, I was going to say I didn't have any mechanical issues, but I really did actually. On the, I tried to fly my Oxy 2. Um, oh, and I'll bring this up too. Um, uh, yesterday when I was flying, I just go to this little cul-de-sac that ironically is on, um, a road called Wright street after the Wright brothers. And right next to there is a turn that you turn off and that is, um, Kitty Hawk lane, which is the first airplane, right? Um, so it's poignant to go fly there for me. I dig it and it's an open development. There's no construction there yet, but I'm flying and I look over and I see a car pull, it had pulled up and was stopped and they're facing me. And I'm like, these fools are watching me. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, guys, about how, like, when you know there's someone there, there's, it's not necessarily, the, it's kind of like you're showing off, but not necessarily. It's just something changed in me. I know because I was aware that somebody else was observing me flying, I, I, I chose my flying style changed a little bit. It was less erratic than it was before I noticed that that person was there. And just a couple of things. I just, it was a weird psychology of flying that I noticed 
as it was occurring. And I, I dug it, you know, I just leaned into it and had a great time flying and come to find out it was this guy that brought a couple of planks, uh, I don't know, probably five, 600 mil, um, wingspan planes, little, um, foamy planes and stuff, an e-flight plane and some other plane. And it, that was his bag too. He would come out here. And I never knew it, but he would come out to the same spot and fly his airplanes every now and then. And we just ended up coinciding. So we shot the shit together and that was kind of cool. And um, I told him about the podcast and so hopefully he'll check it out. Uh, hey, uh, Plank guy from Brainerd, if you do hear the podcast, nice talking to you and uh, seeing your airplanes. Um, I'm pretty good, but, you know, start looking around. I'm not I'm not super great. I mean, it was pretty cool to watch. I'm glad you watched it and I'm glad you liked what you saw. Um, but I got a lot. I got a lot to work. Oh, it's a budding bromance. Yeah, with like a, a plankers and helis, it's kind of like snowboarders and skiers, right? Um, and that's what he said. He's like, yeah, you never really, plank guys never really see the heli guys around. I'm like, yeah, I never see plane guys around. He's like, it was cool. It was nice to meet you and stuff. And so hopefully I'll see him more often. Maybe he'll, you know, I try to go over there and on Sundays because there's no business happening back there. There, You know what I mean? So maybe I'll see him again. Who knows? I don't know. But nice. uh, while I, while I was flying, he he's like, yeah, you got any more packs? My wife is coming. So I'm like, okay, cool. And I wanted to show her. He's like, she really likes the helicopters. And so I took my time. All I had was two packs left for my T-Rex 600. And she got there at the end of my second pack and she got to see it fly. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I want to fly a little bit more because she's here now. And I had my Oxy-2 with me and I put it up into a hover, just into a hover. And all of a sudden, just maybe like 20 seconds into the hover, all of a sudden you hear this. And I'm like, what is that? You know, and I, I land and I'm inspecting it and just kind of a cursory glance, you know, to see is something rubbing on the main gear because that's what it sounded like. And no, nothing. I didn't see anything. So I put it back up in the air again and it same sound. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. I'm not going to go try and do some stuff and show off in front of this lady. And I land and come to find out I must have like, I don't know if maybe I cracked some teeth because of the I've been flying in really super cold weather, you know, the last few weeks or what, but a couple of teeth were completely sheared off and a good like inch worth of teeth on the main gear were just melted. So somewhere I think I had something happened and it bound up. I don't know. So whatever. I just swapped it out. I had the auto rotation gear in there and that's what I got damaged. So I swapped it out for one of the old gears for now and going to go buy a new auto gear. I still can't figure out what bound it up. But so I did have my first kind of technically my first mechanical failure on that thing, you know, so. Um, so does that mean you didn't get her number? No, no, no. By the time I, I you know, I, I tried to soften her up, but by the time I, I was ready to strike the blow. She was already walking back to her husband. I was like, well, I better not do that. Uh, back to, back to not flying. I put my shit back together and went went home. So anyway, but that was my week and uh, it was a good time. I had a good time. Right on. Scott, Devin, anybody fly? I flew. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's hear you, Scott, because it looks like it was an interesting weekend. I mean, it was all right. I got some uh, some local buddies together like we used to fly. So we got Eric, we got... I'm going to blank on names. I shouldn't even have started. <laughs> Brandon Cooper. Dude. Oh, Brandon Cooper. Um, we had God, three other guys and we we're at the field. <laughs> we were flying together. Oh, man. Um, and it was cool, you know, just hanging out. I took the family. The kid was playing with his little rock crawler or whatever because he, he, he loves driving around toy cars and stuff. But had a couple flights. I think I had four flights, which is you know, not a lot, but it was enjoyable. And on the last flight, I don't know what came over me, but I was beating the ever living shit out of my helicopter because, you know, it's a Tuesday and that's what you do. I did 
three overspeeds. I did one upright, one inverted. Then the third one, I was like, I'm just sending this thing to China as hard as I can and getting the biggest pop I can get. And I absolutely gave it the beans and I just clipped the tail on the ground during the overspeed. And it was enough to force the boom up Ooh. into the blades, I guess, at the same time oh. I popped it. And it literally chopped the tail off and the tail went flinging Ooh. off to the side. But the helmet was okay. <laughs> it was literally spinning like a top, going back up in the air. And I was like, oh, shit. They were making a gnarly noise like it was going to explode because, you know, it's at stupid head speeds and I've clearly damaged the tips. Um, there's no tail. <laughs> yeah, there's no tail. So it's just a blur. And I was like, shit. I, I grab hold, uh, start to pirouette down, and I flare it and I land it. No damage to the helicopter other than the tail boom and the tips of the blades. No way. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah, but that was it. That was the end of my uh, my ordeal. So I went ahead and I popped the canopy off, and I pulled the neo off, and I handed it to Brandon. And I was like, "Here you go. <laughs> I'm not going to need this anymore." Because <laughs> I'd been borrowing that neo for like two and a half months, just so I could still fly. <laughs> see, Karma came around and scooped that up and put yeah. it in Brandon's hand. You see, oof, it, yeah. Is that why Brandon came to North Carolina to get his Neo? Did he have to like yeah, repo, he's repo man? <laughs> he's like, damn yeah. it, if you won't ship it, I'm coming to get it. <laughs> no, he was doing some training up in Asheville and he came down on Saturday to come hang out with us. So I may have flown it like a dickhead because I knew that I was pulling the Neo out and I was like, this is going to be my last flight for like a month. So I wanted yeah, to just go. go for gold and I did. Nice. But it was a great That's day. Awesome. I had so much fun. Mm -hmm. Did anybody film it? I don't think so. Yeah, nothing else. Everything else is car related, and I know you guys don't want to hear it. So that's my Kelly activity. Car stuff. Eh, we'll give him a break for a week. I'll have tons of car stuff hey. next week. What do you do, Devin? Um, well, I flew my Oxy two in my front yard. I did Neat. do that. Uh, besides that, we last week, like I think, they we had gotten five inches of snow which isn't that much, but it's enough to be a pain in the ass. So really didn't do too much. And I just flew my Oxy-2 in the in the front yard, my Oxy-2 Cube, because it's got a three-blade head on it. So I had some Dude, fun with that. You got to get a little video of that. The little three-blade three head stuff is cool, especially on oh, the yeah. micro-helis, man. It flies For so sure. much better now, too, because I actually I put Goose Guy blades on it, which are way stiffer. Yeah. And uh, so... It flies real, real mint now. Um, nice. But besides that, no, I just not really much in the heli side. Uh, I flew my Oxy-2 in the front yard. That's about it. The rest was working on my cars and stuff, trying to get ready for the flying season, trying to get my truck ready to tow my trailer. Um, and that's, uh, that's basically it. Getting more snow as we speak right now, actually. So, Ugh. yeah. It isn't the snow over yet? God, I'm tired of it. Uh, it's it, it, pretty soon. Give it another month from now, the, the chances of snow gets very, very small here in New Jersey. But right now, I remember for usually every year in February, it's kind of like a, a thing here in New Jersey. There's usually always one storm that drops like a foot, a foot and a half of snow, and it hasn't been happening for the past couple, for the past two years or so. And it's like every year, just like, all right, so when's that massive snowstorm going to come through and just dump a shit ton of snow? And yeah. it hasn't happened. Maybe so, this is it. 
<laughs> I hope not. I really, I really, for like two days of snowing to get like a foot and a half of snow, it's a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot and it's a pain in the ass to deal with. And it's not like we're not prepared because we live in the northern part of the United States. So we know what snow is. It's just, you know, you have to leave an hour early for everything because no one knows how to drive in snow and everyone's on the side of the road inside a lo- uh, light post, inside a power post, you know, just <laughs> yeah. doing funky things, being where they shouldn't be. So hopefully the snow doesn't come like that and we get some warmer weather, maybe back into the 50s. That would be great and get some flying in and start the events up again. I feel like from my time in New England, like you'll get that one Saturday at 50 degrees and then New England laughs at you and then pounds you with like one last big snowfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually like the past, like I think last the last week it was or yeah, last week it was like kind of nice, like in the 50s. And then when I was in North Carolina, it was 18 degrees here. So it went from like decent weather to just like bone chilling in a matter of like a day it and it just sucks yeah. that's the that's the weather up here this time of the year though it's it swings back and forth and usually like once you get closer to like you know may is when you start getting consistent weather of w- nice weather but until then it's usually all over the place you'll have a week where it's in the 60s and then it goes back down into the 30s 20s and but then it'll level out. But right now I'm waiting for some nicer weather and then some heli events to start and do some traveling. Yeah, man. Right on. Yeah, I was speaking of heli events, I was I was stoked, man. Uh, Dragonfly is one of my favorite fun flies in the southeast. And uh I had a work trip kind of over half of it. So I'm like, ah, probably not gonna get to go this year because it like you can only really go for a day and it's it's a little far to go for a day. Uh, that work trip just canceled the other day, so I was like, "Hell yeah, going to Dragonfly!" Yeah, so, hell yeah. Nice. That. So that has me excited. So now I feel like you know that's in June. I'm like, "Well, shit, I got to get the nitro ready for some rooster pulls." So uh, yeah, like it's, it's put a target on the nitro. Like, definitely need to get up at five and wake that whole damn fun fly up. So you know, getting excited to see Rob too, person. You know, see him out at an event, a singular mm-hmm. event, not every event, a singular event. I, uh, I think, Devin, you should... I don't know if you can. Do you, do you have the ability to grow a mustache at all, let alone like Rob's? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't grow like Rob's, but I currently have one, yes. Mm. All right, all right. He's, I he's think trying. we need a picture of the two of you with like handlebar mustaches like linked together. If I let it go, go, I can... If I just let it go, I can get the handlebar. Yes, I can do that. <laughs> but it, it, I have to... You have to give me a couple weeks, months for it to get decent to where I can actually start curling it. All right, well, on that yeah, lovely note, anybody else got anything else before we uh, dig into the news? All right, let's uh, take us in, Rob. It's the news. The news. All the news that's relevant about newsworthy helicopter relevancy on the news. Yeah, pretty straightforward intro this week for a change. All right, so first up for news this week, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Kyle Dahl, who made an appearance 
to share something I thought was pretty cool. Now, Kyle's been mostly working with Scorpion on those sort of airplane combo kits that uh, they've released where you get the whole power system, ESC, motor prop, etc. cetera. Uh, that's most of what we've seen out of Kyle lately, but uh, uh, apparently Kyle Dahl found out that there were some shortages of parts for the Mikado Glogo, which he had a large part in designing and putting together. Uh, these parts were actually originally Synergy parts that were used with permission. And obviously since the Synergy brand uh, stopped producing things. Anyway, long story short, Kyle took it upon himself to have these parts manufactured under his own brand called Trigon, which I didn't know he had, but just learned about in his post. Uh, so in the US, you can look towards Mikado USA, who will be stocking these new parts for the Glogo. And uh, at recording time, Kyle's still looking for a European partner to stock these parts. But if you're in Europe and find yourself looking to source these parts for the Glogo, uh, reach out to Kyle directly, probably on Facebook Messenger, and he'll try and get you sorted. So I just want to say good on you, Kyle. You know, mad respect for you for that effort. It's not easy to certainly find out of production parts, find a new manufacturer who can, you know, see and see them for you uh, and release them. So uh, yeah, expect to see some Glogo parts back in stock at Mikado USA. That's cool. That's like a revitalization. I love it. Uh, in other Mikado USA news, uh, Brian Barrow of Mikado USA posted on social media another update of when we might see the V-Control Evos and Neo Evos in the United States. So the latest update says that the FCC approval in the U.S. is expected to come in, quote, mid-March. Mikado is currently assembling all stock to cover the U.S. orders, and stock is expected to arrive in the United States in about four weeks, so around the end of March, first week of April timeframe. Until stock is received, Mikado USA has now turned off the pre-order function. So if you got your pre-order in for the Evo or V-Control Evo, uh, you're good to go. If you did not, uh, you need to wait until they have inventory in stock from the second batch before they'll open up further orders. So I'm going to tread very carefully here because it's easy to accidentally sort of hear the wrong tone in a written post. But I suspect Mikado USA is getting a little beat up by anxious folks wanting to know when they might see their order. So I'll just say that kind of a small industry. If we want to support vendors like Mikado USA bringing new products to market, then we need to be patient. So if you're like me, one of those folks who pre-ordered one, but unlike me are getting impatient, and I suggest you not pre-order things in the future and simply wait for stock. Take it easy on Mikado USA. It's entirely out of the control. It's all about, you know, the manufacturing in Europe. It's about the FCC. So take a deep breath, chill, Look forward to it. Enjoy it once it's in our hands. You know, we're, we're, there's not much more waiting left. You know, by April at some point, we'll have them all. So uh, hang out, enjoy the ride, and look forward to it. If you didn't get your pre-order in, then uh, at this point, you're just waiting for uh, inventory to arrive. All right. Meanwhile, Europeans continue to taunt us with photos of their Neo setups with the Evos. <laughs> I will say this. So far, and that's right, I'm looking at you, Europe. An almost total lack of good reports on their experiences with the Evos. I haven't seen any real videos. I haven't seen any reviews. I haven't seen any blogs. I haven't seen any Facebook posts. Sort of, I like it. I think it's good. Like, come on, Europeans. Let's see some content on this thing. Let's hear some yeah, reviews. Show, show up on a podcast no. or something. Like, let's hear about it. All right. So in what seems to be becoming an all Mikado Newsday, uh, Mikado has also announced that they've lowered the price of their first-generation Neo FBLs. So the price on the V-Link, now just $199, the regular Neo uh, for use with satellite receivers, $169.99, and the V-Basic at $119. And certainly lowering prices on the new uh, first-generation Neos means you should expect prices on the used Neos 
uh, to lower as well. I expect to see those flood the market once the Evo is available and we all start letting our Neos go unless you're Scott and sold them all two months early. Got to plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. But wait, there is some non-Mikado news this week. So Augie, surely thanks in no small part to appearing on RC Heli Nation's podcast, has won the election for the open seat on the Urcha board. So congratulations to Augie. He took about 75% of the total vote. Uh, wasting no time, Augie is already appealing for interest and suggestions on some small local competitions. And he's also provided a few non-official updates, meaning released by Augie himself and not Urcha. So Augie posted from his personal account that Urcha has restored their 501c3 status, so they're not-for-profit status, as well as restored their corporate status in the state of Indiana, which will certainly help resolve some of their sort of legal uh, obstacles. Now, I probably worded that wrong, and you can all spare me the messages of correction. I don't care if I said that the wrong way or didn't use the right legalese. We all get the gist. So uh, he also mentions that Urcha is working on membership cards. We can figure out how they did that and send them our citizen card list. I don't know. But uh, if you're interested in the grassroots movement to build up some smaller and local and sort of regional helicopter competitions, definitely reach out to Augie, help him brainstorm and build this network to get this movement going. Uh, Augie and I have been messaging a little bit. Uh, we'll certainly have him back on the show when he has more to report. Uh, things develop in the future. And we're certainly a fan of a lot of his ideas and would love to do our part to hearts to uh, help spread the word once he has a plan in place for uh, building up, uh, you know, local competitions. So good on you, Augie. Congratulations. Yeah, that's good news, man. That's cool. All right. So in other news, not to miss out on the current trend, Tron Helicopters has announced their own lightweight 700 helicopter. This one's called the Dynamic. Now, it's spelled D-N-A-M-I-C. So there's no Y in, in it. So it's not the Dynamic. It's the Dynamic. I don't know how to say that. Anyway. Dynamic. 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 I don't know. Let's call Whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway. The dynamic, <laughs> the dynamic. Uh -huh. Right on. So the the one thing I haven't figured out yet about this helicopter uh, is how the Trons share parts between the 7.0, the new Nitro, the Nitron, the 5.8s, and the dynamic. I'm sure there's some part sharing going on, much like there is on the SAB side of things between the 580, uh, the raw Nitro, and the Puma. Um, so I'm sure there's something going on there. So if you're a big fan of Trons, this is definitely one to look at. So it's meant much like the Puma for 6 to 12S setups. It features a tails transmission optimized for lower head speeds and uh, what looks like a larger rotor head than the 5.8. So unlike the Puma, I think this one has a, a little bit beefier of, uh, of a rotor head. So uh, I think it'll probably handle some slightly lar uh, uh, larger head speeds than, say, the Puma will. I'm guessing it's the same head that's probably on the uh, soon-to-be-released Tron 90 size Nitro, but that's a guess. Uh, they list a takeoff weight, including a 6S 5500 battery, 130 amp ESC, and a 4525 motor of 8 pounds. So certainly plenty light there. So certainly looks like a solid offering from Tron, who've been on a roll of late releasing helicopters in the last year with the 5.8, 7.0, Nitron, 90 size Nitro, and now the dynamic lightweight 700. So certainly a well-rounded stable there. Uh, so good on you, Tron. All right, this one's my favorite for the week. So Align this week is back to their old tricks as far as we can tell so they announced this week that they will soon release a quote motor belt assembly refit set so this is an optional upgrade to the tb70 that changes the width of the motor belt and pulley to 15 millimeters also includes mm. a new motor mount which in the photo at least looks exactly like the old motor mount plate 
So that one has me a bit perplexed. You know, I, I went as far as to sort of throw it in Photoshop and paste the, because they had a side-by-side -side photo of the new one and the old one, and I, and I cut and paste the new one and put it on top of the old one, and they're exactly the same size. So my guess is maybe it's a slightly thicker material or a stronger material um, to give it a little more rigidity in the motor mount. As far as I can tell, that's the only possible change. I'm not really sure what the difference in the motor mount is, but uh, a slightly it's larger different. pulley and belt size. Is it different? It's different because the one on the left has a red ring on it. <laughs> and the one on the right does not have that. Either did way, you know, I, I kind of saw this one coming. We did hear some early reports among some of the pros that, that took on the uh, TB70 and got their kits early that there were some issues with the motor belt snapping. I think, you know, for guys that were really pushing them, you know, uh, I think this might have something to do with that. Again, that's a guess, but. This one you got to purchase. It's not being sent to anybody. So if you feel the need for a beefier motor belt, motor pulley, if you have issues with your snapping, I would definitely consider picking one up. All right. And then in other Align news, uh, Align took one look at the lightweight 700s and went absolutely the other direction. All right. Well, maybe <laughs> I made that up. But uh, Align posted a rendering on their Facebook page of a 900-size gas-powered helicopter on their Facebook page. So for those of you Holy compensating shit. for other size deficiencies, you can consider picking one of these up. Now, the design is meant for 60cc gas engines and will offer both two and three blade rotor heads. Also features an 1100cc gas tank. So if you're running a gas a on the way home, you can siphon this one dry. You said a three blade rotor head with 900 millimeter blades? Yeah, it looked like on the rendering it said something about a two and three blade design. Oh, Holy shit. Uh, honestly, like, I don't know what it's for. Is it for hobbyists? Is is there some sort of commercial application? Is there some sort of, like, crop sprayer attachment that goes under it? Yeah, I don't like know. Agricultural or something? But that is a big-ass helicopter. In, in the render, it looks, it even looks enormous. There's no canopy in the render, so that's what makes me wonder what, what its target audience is. I don't really know. But it's a 900, and it's big. Nice. Let's see Zabel flat fiber on. I know, right? Let's see what happens there. But uh, that's it for our regular news. So on to the news of the week. And uh, for our news of the week, I hear Scott's been playing around with some Secret Squirrel stuff that uh, he might be ready to talk about and maybe share a little information about uh, the Evo. I have not been playing with Secret Squirrel anything, sir. Oh, I thought <laughs> when you said you wanted to talk about do. like Evo difference and Neo difference, that maybe you had one. And I got all yeah, excited. no, I, I don't have one. Um, and this Aww. is just based on all research. But I had someone message me earlier this week, and they were asking me the major differences between the two. Should I upgrade? Is it worth it? Because not everybody knows. Not everyone reads all these press releases that come out. So he was just generally curious. And he was also a listener of the show. So I told him, you know what? Instead of me typing out three paragraphs with 47 typos here telling you what's what, I'll just go over it in the show and I'll kind of give you broad strokes of what the difference is because he was curious about the radio and then he was curious about the Neos themselves. So there is a asterisk on all of this. I do not have the radio. I do not have the Neo. I've never touched one. I've only read about it. So I'm about as qualified as someone in the DMV. So I think we'll start with the radio. Um, so the radio is basically not required. The new one, as far as I know, has more internal storage, so it's less likely you're going to fill it up and corrupt your hard drive. And then the other major point was it has um, USB-C for you know connecting to the SIM and charging and stuff like that. Other than that, though, 
all the other changes are just a different chip and slightly different PCB board in it and stuff, but everything else should be mostly the same. There's no extra switches. There's no extra like major features that you can't do with any other radio. It's just updated and future-proof. Now, going forward in the future, there may be some things that come out that only that radio can do that previous ones cannot. But as of release date, all three radios really generally do the same thing. Like there's, I don't think there's anything they can, one can do that the others can't. I have heard rumors that the new radio and maybe the touch are the only ones that can do uh, 760, can set the Neo to 760 microsecond. They say, I've heard that you can't do that with a classic, but if you got a buddy with a touch, bind his radio to it, set it to 760 and bind your radio back to it and you're good to go. I thought um, I had heard that they've released an app update you'd have to download for the classic that would let you do the 760 setting. But again, so much of this has gone back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to go with worst case, um, best case, all three do the same thing. Awesome. So my advice is if you have a touch and you're not absolutely chomping at the bit to have the latest and greatest of magic things, um, I personally wouldn't upgrade. Um, I don't see a major difference. The only thing that really has me interested is that USB-C. Sounds dumb, but I love USB-C, and I love the the fact you can charge from it and uh, play the sim with it. The current charger USB port thing, the, the USB port can't charge that quick, so it usually the battery level stays kind of normal, like like where you started when you sim. Whereas if you had a classic and you did that, you used to be able to charge a radio while you simmed. But the new touch eats power so much faster that it really kind of eats it as fast as you're putting it in when you're on USB. So it would be kind of cool to have it charge while you sim again, like like we used to with the old ones. And then the Neo. The major differences with the, with the Evo line is with the Neos. So the person was coming from a background of, you know, more sport flying, light 3D kind of thing. I'm not going to feel major differences between, you know, different styles of blades or something. I'm not going to feel the difference between 760 microsecond and standard servo. So my advice to him was, I don't think it's really worth upgrading at that point. If you're, you're happy with what you got, you're not looking for that last, you know, five or 10% of flight performance, keep what you got, be happy with it. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're one of those people that decided you wanted to maybe dabble with Futaba and try it out, or you've flown someone else's system that has 760 microsecond servos and just generally feels just that much more locked in, then it's worth doing it. If you can feel the difference between those two flight systems, um, it is absolutely worth upgrading at that point. So the biggest difference with that Neo is it is capable of 760 microsecond servo control. Um, it has a faster response time as far as processing power, um, which means they were able to load in um, frequency filtering as well, kind of like the drones. And then you could choose your refresh rate of your gyro as well. So a lot of things that are very processor intensive that the old system can't do just because the chip can't handle it, um, the new one can. But it all translates to that that 5 or 10% of stability in the air. That, that not everyone's after. So it may not be worth, you know, ripping all the Neos out of your fleet just to get that little bit of flight performance if you're happy with what you got. But if you're crazy like I am, you sell it before you even know it's capable of it. <laughs> just because it's the new shiny. <laughs> uh, but that, that's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, there will be software updates. There will be new stuff in the future that, that may change that. It just means it's more future-proof and it's more capable down the road. But in my opinion, if you're happy with what you have, 
there's nothing wrong with upgrading down the road when the software comes out that you really decide you want. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with you there. Um, yep. It's interesting. Has anyone seen a review of the Evo from the Europeans that you felt like was really substantive and a really good comparison to the original Neo? Mm, no, I think they're mad at us. I know. I mean, I've seen some from some folks that said, I feel like it's a little better and I and I think I noticed something, but I don't know if that's I'm excited that something new is in my hands or that there's genuinely something better. But you know, yeah. I've only seen one or two of those and that's it. So who knows at this point? I don't think we have a really good comparison. My biggest want would be a review from someone over there who's not sponsored by Mikado and not sponsored, you know, heavily sponsored. So like some of the guys, you know, Duncan Bosian, for instance, amazing pilot, such a cool dude. But he could make anything fly good, you know? And sometimes I find with the more heavily sponsored people, they may or may not lean a certain way with their opinions just because of the nature of being sponsored. That's what you do. So I would love to see a guy that that's, you know, a regular fun fly attender kind of guy, not so much sponsored, but can really ring out a helicopter. I want to see what he thinks about the, the Evo system. And I want a real, like, honest 3D pilot's opinion about it. That'd be cool. Yeah, I agree. Like one of those the veterans of the hobby who've been through a million FBLs over the years and uh, can truly appreciate the differences between them would be great to hear from. Yeah. If you're one of those people, give us a call. We'd love to have you on the show. That's a good idea. Since these Evos all like, uh, or since these FBLs, everybody's making like aluminum cases and stuff for them. Somebody should just mill up a couple of, of aluminum cases that don't have like any differentiator and then just put one of each in there, <laughs> set two helis up the same way and let somebody kind of blind taste test both yeah. and, and, you know, see if one flies better than the other one. I'm glad you mentioned that, there by the go. way, because, you know, backtracking a little bit, the new Neo Evo does not fit in the old aluminum case. Nope. Uh -huh. So just okay. keep that in mind, too. I know Doug Darby's working on some new ones. I don't know how many he's going to make because, you know, Doug's not a, a, a large processing facility. He's literally hand making these things on a lathe. So, um, or mill rather. Sorry, Doug. I'm sure I got that wrong, but uh, definitely looking to pick up one of those when they become available. They look great. Yeah, they do. All right. With that, uh, speaking of listeners, I just want to give a quick shout out to Paul. I got your question about Nitro. Uh, we are working on doing another Nitro episode, probably in the next one or two episodes. Uh, so if there is anyone listening here that has any more questions on our beginner Nitro series, feel free to shoot them to me via email at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. I'll be sure and uh, get them to our list of questions. Our next Nitro episode is going to be on building your first Nitro helicopter. So lots of build questions, few tool routing do's and don'ts for building a nitro all kinds of stuff like that so stay tuned for that shoot me any questions if you have them i'll get them added to the list but uh with that i think uh that's it for the news they hate when you elevate the second of losses i'm handing them out yeah i had to go delegate they feel like i'm floating i'm lost in the moment i swear i could levitate they never believed that i would really fly i had to go demonstrate i had to set them straight they hate when you elevate guest is someone that pretty much anyone on RC helicopter related social media has come to know. He's part of the HeliDirect marketing team, the HeliDirect team manager, as well as a marketing consultant to many brands in the helicopter hobby. He's a content creator, a musician, a music producer, a life coach. To me personally, he's a mentor and a friend in the hobby. Uh, Sean's helped me up my game as a content creator and as an everyday pilot in person. He's a good personal friend. My kids love him. And on some days, he's that crazy dude at the field heckling us all with a megaphone. So, Sean, welcome to RCHN. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Rob, uh, everyone. Um, 
I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to come on and uh, talk some crap with you guys. Yeah, right dude, on, man. Nice to see you. Well, you don't. I hope you don't see me. He said, "See you." I can see right. you. I can imagine you in my head. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna right. shut up now. All right. So, Sean, today I want to talk about the team, about the state of the hobby, about how brands and the hobby itself can better build itself back up. But before we get into all that, can you give us just kind of some background for those that only know you as the like happy, excited guy on Heli Direct videos? Like, how did you get your start in the hobby, and how long have you been in it? Whoa. Okay, that's a loaded question. Um, I started, uh, well, my very first helicopter that I quote unquote flew was in a, a Disney movie when I was, uh, in fifth grade, it was a movie called, uh, little spies. I played a guy named Clarence and me and the, uh, RC heli guy on the set made, you know, we're best friends. <laughs> I was like, Hey, how does this work? You know, automatically just loved helis just from that point on. Um, that was my first time like beginning to hover. Um, and then from there, um, because they were so expensive and, you know, back then there weren't like, like really kits. I mean, you would have a kit, but it was just a kit. It wasn't spare parts. So if you broke blades, you had to, it was a whole thing. So, uh, later fast forward, um, a little bit older on my own, um, went to a hobby store in Atlanta. I moved here from, from LA to produce, uh, for LA Reed on some projects yet. And I walked into a uh, hobby store called Ronnie's Hobbies. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember that, uh, but there was a guy behind the uh, the counter who uh, kind of directed me to what kit I should get. And uh, he helped me put my, well, he actually put the whole helicopter together, but we I kind of helped here and there, but not really. <laughs> um, and that guy was Brian Birdsong. Um, he helped me actually <laughs> hover my first helicopter. That's awesome. We had Brian on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, he he's a beast. So then what happened from there? You hovered your first helicopter. And then did you like take a break in the hobby and come back like a lot of us do? Yeah, I took a break. Um, a lot of us do that. Uh, it took like a, I don't know, man, a few years, a bunch of years, seems like. Came back and then, uh, you know, SAB had just started with their first uh, Goblin. I had the Monster Edition. edition and that was when I moved back to L.A. Um, and then I came back, took another break. And then like right before COVID, I was in L.A. Uh, and my my woman, she's like, hey, there's this thing about the startup called COVID. And uh, there's going to be like quarantines and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. She's like, well, can you come out and, and just stay with me for a couple of weeks? I'm like, no problem. You know, I'm thinking COVID's going to be over in like, you know, maybe a month, if that. So I come out to Atlanta and COVID starts and it doesn't stop. It just gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm sitting around here doing nothing. And you know what happens? You get on Heli Direct and just start <laughs> ordering stuff. So I just started ordering up choppers. Man, my first one was the Kraken 580. And then um, I I just uh, got the bug again. And I, I just, I can't. It's like once you start flying or, you know, RC cars or airplanes, you never really completely walk away. You, you, you know, take a break and come right back. It's just a drug habit. It's bad. Yeah, it really is. So how did you get from that? Like coming back into the hobby, like I understand that and picking up a, a COVID thing. I mean, that's kind of how I got into helicopters. But how do you go from that to working with HeliDirect's marketing team and content creation and managing the team? Yeah, so that was like, okay, so... <laughs> 
I've always been into, um, you know, pictures, video editing, stuff like that, uh, and, and music, just creating cool, fun, different things. When I got back into it, I did a video with, um, it was the, uh, I don't know, Nick, were you in that video when we, when we did the uh, Raws, when we built the, had the Raw party or something like that? Were you no, there? that was just before my time in Atlanta, RC. Okay. So I did this little video and then I put it up on Facebook or something. And someone was like, someone told Sam, they were like, hey, we need someone to help us like with posts and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I, I, I love doing stuff like that. So I, I hit up Sam and I, well, first of all, I, I was before when I flew, I was on the Heli Direct team like years ago. So when I came back, I was still in the in the group in there and I really don't use Facebook that much. So I'm like, hey, you know, how do I, uh, um, you know, I'm, I want to be back on the team. I'm flying again, blah, blah, blah. My discount isn't working. It was like crickets. Like no one said anything to me. And I just kept like hitting them up like messages like they treat me like the redhead stepchild. So I'm like, all right, I need some answers here, you know. So I just started emailing people, man, and I hit Sam up and I actually didn't even know he was the owner. Like someone was like, yeah, hit try this email. So I'm like, you know, everyone at heliDirect.com. I'm like, you know, Susie at HeliDirect and Bob at HeliDirect. So Sam, uh, so Sam hit me back and he's like, let's let's get on the phone and chat. So I'm like, cool. He's like, do you want to do posts and stuff? I'm like, cool. Yeah. So we started like just building and it went from that to like, OK, we're expanding. Uh, we need a team manager um, in some of his dealings of dealing with, uh, you know, different products and stuff overseas. He would ask me, you know, what I think about certain things or what's the best way to get into it. And look, you know, Sam doesn't depend on me to run his business. Hell, direct has been around for a bajillion years. But, you know, it's always good, even in my business with music. I, I never really OK a mix or OK a song or 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 whatever without letting someone else hear it. So he would kind of throw ideas my way up. Like, hey, you know, this or maybe we should do this. And then the jobs just started stacking on top of each other. And then it just turned in from doing a post every other week to, you know, you know, doing content for for the YouTube channel, building a YouTube channel. When I first got there, um, it wasn't monetized. It, it was like a, I think it was maybe a thousand subscribers. We got like over 2,800 or something like that. It's grown. We kind of, he kind of plugged me in with the email part of the, the uh, social media part of the marketing part, I'm sorry. And, uh, and then it all just kind of grew, man. It's kind of like, it just grew a whole thing. And then as that was going on, I started building the team and then, had these two awesome guys with me, Nick Wisdom and Brian Birdsong, and they helped me. They still, to this day, you guys like 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 gold to me and helped me with all this stuff. Um, don't know if it could be possible without you guys. Then, you know, then the Jeff Wesses started coming, then the Ben Storick started coming, then the Matt Bodos, and then the Jamies, and then the, 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 the Diego Arces, and it just created momentum and uh, excitement, and it was fun, um, and we just you know, as a team, we just tried to really, really make things fun, keep things positive, not too much. You know, there's a business side to it, you know, of course. But, you know, the the main objective is to just, you know, just love, love on people coming into the hobby, people who are already here, helping people, showing the products, all that stuff. So I guess that's kind of how it happened. Um, but there, I'm sure there's some parts I'm missing, but that's basically how it happened. Yeah, you know, you you touched on some of the top pilots you've pulled in. So since you came to HeliDirect and started managing the team, you landed Marcus Kim, 
Jamie Robertson, Donnie Pesci, Ben Storick, Matt Bodos, Mitch Morozos, uh, Diego Arce, Steven Saran, all these dudes on your watch, and, and the list just keeps growing. So how, how have you attracted so much top talent? Man, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know the real answer to that question. I just try to be, this is what I try to do. I guess because I'm always for the underdog, um, what I mean by that is I have a background in cycling. I have a, a company called No Breaks, um, and we, we throw bounties or, or rewards for certain activities and achievements of regular everyday cyclists. For a minute, I was uh, managing Justin Williams. If you don't know who that is, he is the uh, CEO of Legion uh, Bicycling Club. And when I would see these athletes get out on the on the races, put their life on the line, you know, and all they're wearing is like spandex and a helmet, you know, and they're like getting in 40 bike, 40 bike pile mess ups and crashes and people dislocating their collarbones and snapping elbows and stuff like that. And they weren't really getting compensated as far as as I thought. You know, there's no insurance for these guys. You know, <laughs> they would pay them in bike parts and, you know, you know, you get a you know free handlebar or whatever after you've put in your life on the line. And I just come from like trying to make sure that the pilot is taken care of. These guys been stored. All these top level guys have really put in hours and hours and hours and hours of preparation. And um, and I wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. So I, 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 you know, I just really try to look out for the pilots, man, make sure that they're properly compensated, make sure they're uh, treated well. And, and for us to understand that it's a two way street, it's not just about heli direct, you know, making a profit, but it's about these guys being able to relax, have fun, know that if they crash, it's all good, you know, that you know, that their cell phone bills are going to be paid or whatever's going on in their life that they can, you know, maintain a balanced, healthy life and knowing that we have their back no matter what. So I guess when you extend that energy to pilots and and also newbies in, into the to hobby, it just kind of like flows into other. And listen, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a uh, walk in the park when I first came around. Like I was I was really hated a lot by different, you know, manufacturers or, or hobby stores or whatever. And, you know, people had like really negative things to say about the new thing that I was doing. But my whole outlook on this hobby is, is kind of not the way it used to be. I just know how it used to be. It used to be Phil reps, you get a certain percentage, but now the social media has connected everyone, you know, everyone knows who Kenny Coe is, you know, and, and, and if we didn't have the internet, we wouldn't know. He would just be a guy that's really good that, you know, someone told us over the phone that, hey, you know, so it's kind of leveled the playing field. And I don't look at our pilots as just pilots. I look at them as businesses that have created a platform for themselves. And that platform needs to be compensated. So I guess maybe I answered your question. Not really sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack kind of in that answer. One of the pieces I want to touch on, you talked a little bit about your your energy in there. You know, as a content creator, I think a lot of folks really enjoy your sort of energetic style of build videos. Uh, and it always cracks me up when I when I run into some people at Funflies and some of them sometimes ask me, like, are you just that way on film or, or in real life? And, and I think what people don't know is that you're that happy and enthusiastic and passionate about the hobby, like all the time, like in the field on a regular Saturday when it's just the boys and we're out flying, like 
what keeps you kind of so motivated and so passionate about the hobby and the team? Um, wow, that's a great question. Um, and and yet those of you who don't think that I'm like this all the time, I'm literally like this in my sleep. Like my woman was like, you're talking in your sleep again. <laughs> I'm like, what was I saying? You were telling someone about some blades or something and why they should fly the Azure blades. I'm like, oh God. All right. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, my my motto in life, man, is really I really, really try to just think on good things and try to believe the best in people and and decide to, you know, I have this uh this sign behind me in my studio. It says uh it's really big. It says, I choose joy. So like every day, literally when I when I open my eyes, you know, I thank my creator. I just put out my intentions for today. I just really want to be good to somebody or bless somebody, make somebody smile, you know, give an answer to somebody who has a question, whatever it is. I just want to be that. And when I give that, it always comes. So I, I really try to live my life like that every day. Of course, I have bad days where I, you know, get upset or, you know, you know, <laughs> that happens. But 99% of the time, I'm really trying to just you know, be a conduit of good from whatever's good in the universe to people flying helis, airplanes, cars, submarines, boats. It doesn't matter. Like, I just want everyone to have fun. And I think, and a lot of that too is stacked with gratitude. I'm always thankful, even for the little things. I mean, yeah, I just try to pick out the best, the best of the best and just think on that and, you know, gravitate towards that. Yeah. Well, I think the energy is good. For sure. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, you're the best dude to have at the field when you stuff one in because like you, you try and be sad and you turn around and I don't know, somehow you pick us all up. So um, <laughs> that's a good thing. Cool. So uh, going back to the team for a minute, uh, Helena X got a pretty diverse group, um, maybe more so than some other teams, not to compare us. But, you know, we've got scale guys, top pilots, fun fly attenders and helpers, content guys, others. Like, how did you develop such a well-rounded team? And and what do you have to say to those that joke about how big the team is? Because let's face it, we're probably the biggest team in the hobby. We are, man. It literally, I did not, okay, that was not the plan. I'm telling you, when we came out the huddle, having 100,000 guys on the team was not the plan, okay? It was a whole thing. The, here's the thing. This, this hobby is multi, it's so many different facets to it. There's the, you know, there's the Ken Marshalls that, you know, like, you know, the older guys that have been in it for a long time, seen this hobby evolve. We have the new guys, you know, just coming in, buying, you know, the uh, the the S2s, the Goose Guy S2s and, the you know, the M1s and M2s and the Nanos and stuff like that. We also have guys that are just dedicated to being on Heli Freak. We have some guys that are just, you know, and that's the thing is like you got to let that hobbyist be where they are. Um, and that's why I kind of started getting big because I had met Jeff West on, um, online. We were talking, this is before goose guy came out and I'm like, Hey man, he's like, he's like, dude, have you heard anything about this goose guy? I was like, dude, I was just talking about it with somebody. And he's like, he's like, do you have a kid yet? I was like, no, I'm, I think I'm gonna talk to the owner like tomorrow. He's like, well, I don't, you know, and we just started chopping it up, man. I'm just like, dude. And I'm like, I look at his YouTube channel and he's got like all these videos. He's got all these followers. People love him. They love his content. And he's just a good guy. And, you know, 
he's he's a pro at what he does, you know, and, and we got, you know, guys who don't really fly that well, but know the heck like out of every radio. So like if there's a guy and he's like, man, I'm having a spectrum problem or whatever, I'm like, go to this dude. This dude knows everything about it. And I didn't try to make people be a certain thing. It's like if you're good at something and you're passionate about it, I'm just trying to help you be the best you can at whatever that is. So I guess I guess that answer your question. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question yeah, again, bro? <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It does. Like, you know, we have kind of a a little of everything on the team. And and not, you know, it's it's like everything else. There's there's scales of things, you know, not everybody's been storic and or treated that way. And, you know, the guys that are on Heli Freaker or whatever. It's all kind of a different thing. Like we're well rounded. We're built to take care of a lot of needs versus just be the guys that throw it on at a fun fly. Like I don't I think you'll yeah. ever see all fifty heli direct pilots throw down at the same fun fly because, you know, there's probably thirty-five of us that are like, nah, we're not really center stage guys, but we're other types. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But all right, this question's kind of a serious one. Okay. Are you really here just to recruit Scott and Devin? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! Oh no. <laughs> 52. <laughs> and 53. Man, listen, man. I I wish I'm a I'm a keeper 100 with you, bro. I tried to grab Devin. I tried my best to grab Devin, and I also tried to grab Scott a little bit. But Scott Scott went through that thing where he was just kind of like, you know, he just sold everything and left and we were all like, "Come back, Scott, please," you know? And when he decided to kind of, you know, put his toe back in a little bit, I was like, come on over, bro. Come on over, you know. Um, <laughs> but I definitely tried, man. Scott is Scott is a beast. Um, Scott is a beast because of a lot of different things. First of all, he only flies and does what he believes in products. So he's not trying to sell you anything that he's not sold on himself. Number one, he tries everything. Number two, number three, he's completely honest and organic and will help anybody anytime anywhere and he is all about getting new people into this hobby so he was like he was like i was really trying to get him and also devin too devin is that guy who shows up at the fun flies who's always having fun always putting it down and literally putting it down he crashes at every fun fly but we don't have to talk <laughs> about that <laughs> <laughs> oh we can oh wow but, let's not let's not do that. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to Man, you got me for torque servos, though. I did, man. I was trying to get you for more, man. I was like, come on over. It's just like, I was like giving him crack, you know, really free for the first few times. And he would smoke. <laughs> and then he, and he's like, oh, I'm good. I'm like, come back. <laughs> no, those servos yep. are, uh, they're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I believe in torque servos. So I like the color. And also, too, you know, all the change, not saying all the change, but a lot of these changes that we're making to the brand. It, I was listening to guys like you, you know, um, you know, the colors, the removable servo leads, the all that stuff. It's like, you know, I, I what I try to do is I listen to the people and I try to adapt the products to what, you know, because we're using this stuff every day, man. We're spending thousands and thousands of dollars into this hobby. Why not make it, you know, the best? Yeah, that was the most evident thing I think I noticed um, being on that team when I joined was the fact that you guys cared so much to actually ask the pilots, like, what do you want? What do you use it for? Right. Not a lot of teams do that. I mean, I was on another servo team. And honestly, 
I would ask questions like, is, you know, 760 pulse with even something that's in your wheelhouse? Like, is it something you're planning for? And I just get blank looks, you know, they're like, <laughs> well, you know, is there even a market for it? Is it, is it only Futaba that does it or is someone else going to do something else? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird, but you guys hundred yeah. percent, you're like, oh, you want like this length of wire? You want like this color for things? Like what, what color case do you guys prefer? Like, it's awesome. It's badass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's definitely cool. Um, when everyday modelers have a voice in these things and manufacturers are starting to listen, which is great. So just to, to pivot a little bit here. So another thing, Sean, I'm not sure folks realize is just how many helicopters you build in the average year since you've kind of taken on this whole marketing thing. So you build all the helicopters that HeliDirect uses for marketing purposes. So how, how many models have you built in the last 12 months? I wish you could see my face right now. I just have this blank, like deer and headlights look like all these, <laughs> all these canopies. And main stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So dude, oh man, bro, that is such a hard question. It's a lot, bro. It is, it is literally a lot. Like I've, I've built a couple of raws definitely. And here's the thing. I have to find a balance between what is what I'm doing for Heli Direct and what is my own personal bird that I am drawn to that I like to fly, you know. So it all gets mixed up in there. But I will probably say, man, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 kits, maybe. Yeah, I, I would honestly believe it because we all kind of those of us in the in the Atlanta RC group, you know, we have this little chat group. Um, shout out to the Trilams. But uh we see all these pictures of everything Sean's building all the time, or he'll show us little previews of maybe some stuff that's not on the market yet sometimes. And it's nuts, man. I mean, four Trons, three or four Raws, uh, Goose Guys, I don't know, you name it. You're building two or three of these things in different colors and different variations and different, you know, power setups for different manufacturers. It's it's nuts how many. But but here's the, the follow-up question to that. So, you know, you touched on this a second ago that there becomes a difference between the helis you build for marketing and those that you like go and buy for yourself, right? Like, you know, we mm -hmm. can always tell in Atlanta, like HeliDirect may provide one to you to build, but then you go out and pick one up for yourself. And we're like, oh, that must be a really good model. Maybe we should think about that. So, so what have you decided to keep for yourself uh, lately? Like what's in your fleet right now? Man. Okay. So I, I went through a love affair with the raw. The raw is a completely badass kit. And it crashes well, man. I've put the tail in. I was flying with Tom Shen. He botched in, like a inverted auto. Totally put the tail in, bro. Like we were like, like it's done. He picks it up and flies it. Like I think it was like one or two parts he needed, but like they crash well. So I've had, you know, I've had those. I loved my Kraken Gold. I had the uh, the Kraken S, but you know, Gold fuselage. Love that. Man, that strike is an amazing flying helicopter. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it, and I know they're trying to change it, and uh, is the boom supports. For me, it's like I've kind of evolved from boom supports. So, like when I see it, it just kind of like turns me off a little bit. But I'm telling you, when you fly the heli, it like flies so smooth. It's so steady. It's like, and the blades that they provide with the kit complement the way it flies so so well. Um, I know I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, Okay, so I'm bro, I'm gonna be honest right now. Um my go-to heli right now is the Tron. Is the is the Tron 7.0. I have a uh I built a a uh a orange one first for content. 
And there was some frustrating things about the manual. I talked to the owner about it. And he's like, oh, you know, there was reasons for certain things. Um, and sometimes stuff gets lost in translation with different, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, um, groups of people who write these. But after I after I hovered it, man, I was like, this thing is rock, rock, rock solid. Yeah, so I've got a I got the orange one, I got a green one, I've got the Nitron 50 size, and I've also got the 5.8 Heritage. I love all those models, man. They just fly really well. They track very well. I told a few guys on the team, Donnie has one now, Ben's flying one. Uh, the only thing, and I, like I said before, the instructions could be a little bit better, and we're working on getting the manual. See, the thing with SAB is they really changed the game. I had never opened up a kit and seen like, you know, everything like with the foam and all the sexy packaging and all that stuff, like and the manual, the manual was like color coded. It was like so it was such a pleasure. And I I was telling a lot of guys that a lot of these guys, you know, are in this hobby because they like building. So the building experience has to be pleasurable. I hate it when I'm in, you yeah. know, building something like, what is this screw? Where does this go? Why is this picture like this? The motor wasn't in here. And the last, I got it. You know, it's, you, you want it to be pleasurable. So, you know, I'm kind of spoiled now. It's like, you know, I rate every other kit, you know, manual wise to, you know, the, the, the SAB manual and packaging. It's just, it's just the gold standard now. So, but I'll probably say my go-to right now is my Trons. And uh, I got a new Neutron coming. Scott has one coming too. Uh, the the ninety size uh, Nitron. I'm excited to put that together. What about uh, your raw five eighty? Have you? I know you've been a big fan of that, but have you have you flown the Nitron much? Can you compare those two yet? Yeah. So, all right. Nitro wise, my five eighty is the best helicopter I've ever flown in my life. Like it's just. I don't know. I can't stop flying it. I'm getting like 10, 11, 12 minute flights out of it. Um, actually, Scott, when I first got it, he helped me. Uh, I had a problem with the, uh, with the fan or something. He helped me out at the uh, fun fly. In, uh, I think it was North Carolina, but uh, we got that thing flying. I took it back, took it back home like the next weekend. And literally, I, I, I love it now. Now, to compare that to the Nitron, it's really hard for me to say right now because I've only gotten like maybe a tank through the Nitron. I will say that reports have said that the Nitron uh, is the lightest 50 out and it really moves through the air really quick. But sometimes, you know, having less weight is not really the answer. Sometimes having the right amount of weight helps you track through maneuvers and stuff like that. So it's hard to say right now, but give me another couple weeks on the Nitron. Actually, I just um, I just got it. I had a problem with the. uh the, uh, some of the uh, RTV got in the exhaust and it was cutting the engine off or whatever. So I just fixed that and uh, I'll be flying it for the next two or three days uh, religiously until I leave for uh, for amps. But I'll be able to tell you more in the next couple weeks. Yeah, you must be uh, looking forward to amps. I know. I think that's your first fun fly of the season. Have you figured out what fun flies you're going to try and hit this year? Yikes. Um, the uh, best. Uh, uh, well, shit. Um uh <laughs> it's so many okay. you don't have to answer there's no pressure here <laughs> well no it I, it's not pressure from you it's pressure from me because i'm like looking down the year of course you know i'm gonna be at urcha the, the biggest one and then the world's before that so i'm probably be out there for a couple weeks but i'm definitely going to spring fling 
I'm definitely trying to hit some foam flies that are in the northwest. So I think this is this the Snomish. Is it the, is that the Snomish one up there with the Snowmish, Augie and all those yeah. guys? Snow, yeah, 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 that one. I definitely want to hit that one. I want to go fly with Marco and those guys, and um, I don't want to try to hit a couple that's kind of like Midwesty. I want to hit Chicago. Yeah, it's I have to I have to take them uh, piece by piece because last year, man, I was everywhere, man, like literally San Diego and all up the East West Coast, the South Coast, all over the place. So I'm trying to you know strategically make these make sense. Um, for me, but um, of course, the ones in North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, stuff like that, I'm definitely going to be hitting those um, um, this year, definitely. But amps will be the first. Do you ever get a chance to get to a fun fly or anything outside the United States, or do you do you see either you or Heli Direct getting into doing any of that? Because there's they're you know they're everywhere, right? Oh yeah. Um, actually, it's funny you should mention that. I'm talking to uh, Jamie right now. We're uh, we're trying to set up a situation there's a there's a competition going on over there next year that we're that we're uh, putting on the agenda also i've talked to Tarek and i definitely he said he wants to get interviewed i well i said i want to interview him and he said okay so i'm definitely going over there to uh chill with him yeah fun yeah fun flies i don't know exactly but they're probably going to be centered around some type of big content or uh, opportunity or a competition. Yeah. So. Yeah, word. Speaking of content, let's talk about content creation for a minute. So I know you and I often talk about how the hobby needs more content creators. So what words of encouragement and advice do you have for folks thinking about getting into it? Like, can anybody do content? Do you need a lot of equipment? Like, how can folks get started just providing some good content for the hobby? Man, just start. I'm going to tell you right now. You will hate the stuff that you do when you first start doing it. You're going to be like, oh, it looks, you know, janky. It's you're not professional looking. I don't have any words. Fine. Just start recording. And, 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 and really, man, Jeff, Jeff West kind of started the same way, man. He just strapped a cameraman to his head or chest. I don't even know. It's, just, it's mounted somewhere on his body. And he just starts going at it, man. And people appreciate the organicness of his content. And and here's the thing. Don't try to compare it to other people because we've all been on this road. Nick will tell you. Brian will tell you. Ben Stark will tell you. Jamie will tell you like it's we're all starting at certain points. Most of my content I started doing on my phone and then I invested into a uh, uh, multiple iPhones. Then I went from there to a laptop, a new laptop. Um, then, you know, a Sony S7 camera, better pictures than different lenses, lights. And it's just start where you are. There's no right or wrong way to do it. As long as you're getting the idea across to people who have questions or want to see what you're doing, just take your time and don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Right on. Uh, you know, I think one of the things folks have kind of liked about that Nick Maxwell build video was it was Nick kind of passing on all this generational advice, right? So it's all the advice he'd gotten at fun flies and competitions and, you know, using it as a way to sort of pass on that information to other folks that he may not otherwise encounter, which, you know, I think kind of the modern version of that is, you know, content creation. I mean, or I don't know, or am I wrong? Do you think like that info really needs to come from fun flies and at the club level or, or is the future of like info sharing and building the hobby from content creators? Oh man, it's, it needs to come from everywhere. Because this is why the team, the Heli Direct team is so effective, 
is because we're trying to hit you at every level. We're trying to hit you at your local fun flies, at your local fields. We're trying to hit you when you open your phone to get on Facebook. We want you to, when you visit the store, to have to see things that you're, you know, that maybe you like to see and then see seeing more of that. You know, a lot of guys are intimidated by the 700, 800 size helis, but some guys love the M2s, you know, the, the S2s, the RS4s. Like, you want to be able to connect with the things that bring you happiness. So, uh, if it's from Nick Maxwell telling you how to, you know, you know, make sure your frames are straight. There's, there's just, there needs to be information for every level. I mean, I mean, someone, you know, how when you're flying a helicopter and someone goes, you punch out, they go, whoa, how high does it go? Oh my God. You know, from that level to, you know, trying to do reversing, you know, pirouetting TikToks, you know, it's, it's, it needs to, everyone needs to be involved. The scale guys, the guys at the fun flies, the guys at the field, the guys at the local hobby stores. It's, it's a family, it's a family affair, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, one of the things I think we all talk about here on the podcast a lot is, is, you know, it feels like to me that I came into the hobby at a time when the number of people in it had started to decline a little bit. And, and there's a little bit of a feeling now that the hobby is starting to rebuild. I don't know that we have real good evidence of that yet, but, you know, we're all trying to rebuild it. You know, what what do you think like the everyday hobbyists can do? I mean, not that you have all the answers, but, you know, I know you got some some sort of strong feelings on some of these things. Like, how do we rebuild the hobby? Like, what can we do to build back numbers and get more people involved? Um, it's going to start with the kids. So, you know, I have this this vision of wanting to do like these elementary, you know, um, even high school tours where you take some helis, you know, some of their pep rileys, uh, they're, they're like, like pregame, you know, football games. You go out to the field, do some, you know, apparel TikToks, or you just fly a scale machine around, get people asking questions. A lot of people don't even know about it. A lot of this, um, this uh the the demise or the uh the the loss of helicopter sales when drones came in drones drones were a whole thing like it's they they were everywhere because it was easy it made it easy but a lot of people don't really even know about RC helis so just getting around the kids like you know plugging into your boy scouts your girl scouts um just just getting them where their minds are open for to, you know, to see what is next, see what is cool. And, you know, everyone's not going to like it, but, you know, you're going to find that guy who's, you know, or that girl's in fifth grade, 10 years old, like me, when I saw my first heli fly and I was like, okay, this is what I want forever. You know, some of them are going to do that. And once you have one, you start to affect two and then four and then eight. But the thing is, getting them while they're young, um, you know, I, I just remember even before I started in the helis, there was a uh, hobby store in, uh, in, in the suburbs of Chicago where I grew up called Don's Hobby World. And, uh, you know, that's when they had RC magazines back then. They had the Bigfoot, the Grasshopper and all this stuff. And then next door to his hobby shop, he had an indoor, you know, racing track. You know, I didn't have a license, but, you know, I would beg my mother, please take me up there. Please, 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 you know. I would save my money up and I got my first, uh, what was it? The, um, the, uh, Kyosho Ultima or something like that it was my first car. And, uh, you know, and I was, you know, I started young and I can't even tell you how many thousands of hundreds of thousands I've spent in this hobby since then. So that's the key getting them, uh, when they're young. Yeah. Right on. So what about like fun flies, man? Like what? 
I'm often wondering, like, how do we rebuild Funfly attendance? Like, how do we get more people to go? Is it about, like, creating highlight reels, you know, those videos we do that sort of show how much fun we all have? Or, or is it just word of mouth? Or we just keep doing what we're doing and then they'll come back on their own? Um, I think it's, I think that's a multi-answer to that question, multi-level uh, answer to the question. We've got to do a better job of promoting what I mean by that is, okay, it's cool to talk about on RC Heli Hangout, RC Helicopters, Heli Addiction, you know, put it up on Instagram and Facebook. But we've got to get out of this same pool of thinking. Like we all promote to each other. It's like it's the same pond talking to the same people. This is what I mean by going to your local, you know, elementary schools and say, hey, have you ever seen a helicopter fly inverted or something or put a poster up or Get into their their uh, their their um, communicating communication system with their bulletins with their kids and their students. You got to get new eyeballs on this stuff, man. Like if we keep if I keep telling you, Nick, about a fun fly and then you don't tell anyone or you don't try to go out anywhere and get any new believers. It's kind of like we're all just in the same cesspool. Um, that's one answer. The other answer is getting a lot of these top pilots out to these fun flies. I mean, if you can get a fun fly where Kyle Stacy shows up, Devin, uh, Scott Graham, McGregor, you got uh, uh, um, Ben Storick, Jamie, Matt Botus, Marcus Kim. Like if you stack a line of people that will be at a fun fly, it will be a success because people love great flying. They love great crashes. They like to shake hands with these guys. A lot of these guys, you know, we were at uh, Urchin last year, and um, Jeremy, he's from Chicago. He's like, I think he's 17 or 18. He came up to Urchin, and, uh, you know, Ben was, I was just talking to Ben. He was like, oh, my God, you're Ben Stork. Oh, my God, what do I do with my hands? You know, he's like going off. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, and I'm just like, ah. That's what it is. This guy has been watching his videos for so long, never got a chance to actually shake hands, stand next to this guy that he, you know, admires. Um, that's huge. <laughs> we got to get more of these pilots out. And, and I know they're busy. You know, Nick Maxwell's like, you know, he's going to 100 phone flies this year. But if we do get this top tier, this top five, 10 percent, committed to certain ones. I mean, if they commit to one in the, uh, you know, on the east, northeast, nor uh, south, southeast, northwest, southwest, and maybe get four fun flies a year where all of these guys show up, I think we'll start to grow the hobby a little bit more. And also pulling in different sponsors. You know, I was talking to uh, Sam about this. Like, why is, why is, None of these pilots. Oh, I was talking to Nick Maxwell about this. Why? Why is he not sponsored by Red Bull? Why is he not sponsored by, you know, Monster? Why is he not, you know, um, uh, sponsored by who makes it? Oakley. Like, come on. Like this. Like the the time that these pilots put in with finding these maneuvers, their flying styles, they should be represented like by these major companies, and it wouldn't take much for them. I mean. You know, 20 grand, 30 grand from, you know, Coke or, you know, you know, 30 grand from Popeye's chicken. Like, let's let's start pulling these other like mainstream sponsors into this so we can start spreading the word. The thing is, we keep 
we keep thinking we're doing something by, you know, putting up a picture of a helicopter on, you know, the hangout, which is good. We need that. But we got to get to those people walking in the malls and going to church and going fishing and driving down the 75 and, you know, you know, going to work out to, you know, Planet Fitness Gym. Like there are there's a way to do it. It's just that we have to all be on the same, you know, same page with that. And what I mean by that, I mean, I'm talking about Heli Direct. I'm talking about BK. I'm talking about, you know, Cajun. I'm talking about A-Main. If we all got together and said, hey, let's put in, let's, 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 let's do something here. Let's all go to a, I don't know, uh, uh, Amazon and say, hey, let's come up with a, let's put all our star pilots, send them some videos of all of our star pilots. We don't care where it's going to come from. But let's start putting this in their in their algorithm. So when these kids get on Amazon, they're looking for video games. They see the helis come by. They see, you know, you know, Cal Stacy doing a pirouetting flip, you know, two inches from the ground or Ben Stork doing a TikTok. And it's crazy. Like it, we just have to get out of the same pond of just talking to each other about the same stuff. Like this world is huge. Let's just start taking advantage of it. I think the best thing we've done in in recent times that goes along with that is when BK went to that uh, track in South Carolina and they flew mm. like a, a halftime demo thing at the RC track. Yeah. Like That's they're already dope. into RC. They already get it. That's your target audience. You want to get people that dabble with RC, but just don't get helicopters because it's such an easy, easy win, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think what you had to say about expanding our audience, right? We can't just advertise to ourselves all the time in yeah. the Hangout and those groups. I think that makes a ton of sense, you know. And we're not going to get a ton of people by reaching out to, you know, church groups or whatever about a fun fly where spectators are welcome. But if we get three or four, you know, that, that right. just builds. If every fun fly gets three or four by reaching out to other networks, then you start adding that up and it becomes a movement eventually. Yeah. Something Absolutely. you guys did. Yes. Yeah, Angel Rojas did a program with a local school, and it was like a STEAM uh, program that they were doing. And he did this presentation with uh, a bunch of the different classes where he showed them different helicopters, different sizes, you know, nitro versus electric. And he flew some, you know, flew some maneuvers and did some 3D in front of them um, to try and introduce them to it. And apparently the kids thought that was great. And they wrote him a bunch of letters and stuff. And I think that goes a long way as well. More of us yeah, need to follow in his footsteps. Wow, I had no idea he did that. I will have to get with him on that. I, uh, when did, did he do it this year or last year? Uh, it was like three years ago, four years ago. Right, yeah, we need to reboot that. That's that's what I'm talking about. I had no idea. See, Angel's one of those guys. He's like he he doesn't really he's not really on social media that much. He pops up here and there, and, I'm, and I see him at Fun Flies, and you know he's he's just one of those guys that kind of doing his thing. I know he has a blog or something, um, but I <clears> yeah, definitely he used to be on social media. But just elections and politics and stuff, he uh, he bowed out, which I get. <laughs> yeah, right on. But yeah, community outreach is another is another part of this too. Like reaching out to new bodies of people, but also sharing the hobby with other people via scout troops or steam programs or you know you name it. Yeah, right. So I want to open this up to the other guys for some questions in a second. But but I got I got one more for you. One more hard question, and, and then we'll give you easier ones. I swear. You're just going to solve all the hobbies problems tonight. So uh, here's one last Probably one somewhere. for you. Okay. Um, so you've obviously been involved in the launch of a number of helicopters for a bunch of different brands. 
you know, we've got a lot of great brands in the hobby. They all kind of have their own style of how they like to release a new helicopter. Like, what's the ideal release for you? Like, how do you wish these brands behaved if you could get them all to promote a helicopter in a certain way? And maybe you don't want to share this. Maybe this is your secret sauce that, you know, they got they got to hire you to find out. But, you know, how, how should they be releasing helicopters? Are they doing it right or, or can they do better? Most of them are doing it wrong. I think, um, you know, and I, I love all my manufacturers and stuff that stuff that we sell. But really, the one who really has it down and I mean, it could be better, but the one who really has it down is SAB. I like their their time between releasing the news of it, the photos, how the team guys get it, and then all the stuff in between. There could be some fine tuning in there that I would, you know, personally think could probably get some more kits out the door, you know, but that's personal preference. Uh, but my ideal time frame is three months and and how to place that three months. You got to understand also, too, uh, during a 12 month span, uh, there are peaks and there are valleys to sales. And it doesn't matter if you have the hottest stuff or you or you don't. There's just certain times of the year where where st- stuff moves off the shelf more so than other times. Also, too, a lot of manufacturers don't think about this, but the normal everyday guy who's 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 flying this stuff uh, is you know getting a check every two weeks. You know, you need to get in his mindset and say, okay, he only has a certain amount, or he's going to put it on credit, but whatever, he only has a certain amount of finance to deal with. And he's not going to buy every helicopter. So what is going to make yours different from his? Timing. So that's why when you have, you know, these kits kind of being staggered or, or, or coming out at almost at the same time, it's com- almost like the record business when, uh, you know, when you're going to release a single, you look and see who's coming with a single at what, well, at what time. Because when you want that consumer to go and, you know, to, to wherever they go to get their music, you don't want them to have to choose uh, or you want them to have to choose yours before they choose somebody else's. A lot of times these guys who are engineers who are making helicopters are not thinking about the other side of it. They're thinking about, does it work? You know, is it engineer? Uh, is it engineer soundly? Does it, you know, does it, does the parts wear together properly? Does it fly correctly? All this stuff. But then that's just one piece of the puzzle. The other piece is, okay, are your images professional? Do you have adequate information on these? Are you hitting all the different platforms? I'm talking about Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Pinterest. I don't care what it is. Have images there. Have information there. And I think a lot of times they're not giving the customer enough time to make educated like choices. And I think the best person who's doing that right now is SAB. but pretty much everybody's kind of distant second and third to that i just like i just i don't know i just love i love them all man it's like i love them all for certain reasons i love sab i love tron i love you know a line oh that tb70 is hot by the way um uh <laughs> that uh that brand uh goose guy is killing it i love their stuff i don't know i could just go on and on but I just wish I need three months. Give me three months with a heli. If somebody, if you want to blow up a heli, come talk to me. Give me three months and we can make sure we sell that thing like really well. <laughs> if yeah, you right want to blow man. up a heli, give me half a flight. <laughs> 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 oh, you mean, oh, never mind. Wrong kind. <laughs> oh, is, is this where Devin chimes in and says, I'll do it for half the time? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Do it. 
I'll do it in a quarter of Scott. Oh, <laughs> game on. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Sean. You know, out, outside of trying to fly a heli for, you know, just to shake it out, you know, maybe in conjunction with building one for work or just in personal life, you know, out flying or whatever, you know, we all have good days and we all have bad days. You know what I'm saying? So, and sometimes it's really gnarly and sometimes it's just really stupid how it goes in. But I want you to share for us, if you can think of like, what's the most dumb thumb thing that you've done where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Cold oh, cracking. Uh, <laughs> no, there was two of them. Uh, but actually, I'm sure you've had many, but there's got to be like one or two that stand out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the one that stands out right now is actually Nick Wisdom was there. And I know he's probably <laughs> smiling. <laughs> okay. Maybe. No, okay. Whatever. You know, you, this is crazy. This was the craziest time. So, like, I called Ra. We, we, all right. So, I had a, I had a Spectre V2 enemy kit. Like I had probably, I think the only one other than Nick Maxwell in the States. So Urcha's like, I don't know, man, like a week away. So I built it, I built the model, <laughs> got everything, you know, stop laughing. It's not funny. <laughs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. So, all right. So, you know, I found these locations out by this lake and I'm taking all these awesome pictures, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, let me get a couple videos. I fly it around. And I didn't really want to fly it, fly it. I just wanted to get it to where it's flyable and then take it to Urcha and just kind of dial it in or whatever. Make sure everything's going the right way, all that stuff. Get your first hover in. So I fly it one time and then I land it and I'm like, man, I'm about to go home. I'm like, Nick, you know, he's, I'm like, you know, do you have to leave? He's like, no. Nah. I was like, well, can you just, you know, take this last flight for me? So I go up in the hover and I start doing some like some tumbles and I literally, to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but Nick was videotaping and it was in slow motion. And I was doing a, a, a tumble and I came down tail first with the only enemy kit in the U.S. straight into the soil and <laughs> demolished it. Oh, that's street cred right there. Yeah, Ooh. I, I got to jump in here, right? So we're filming stuff for content and I'm like, and Sean's like, I'm going to do some stationary flips. I'm like, all right. So he starts flipping it in one spot and I hit slow-mo on the phone and literally capture the thing in slow motion going into the dirt and just exploding. <laughs> Where is this video? Uh, um, I don't, yeah, we haven't shared it yet. This is the I first time it. you've talked about it. I have to have this video. No, you're going to see the video. Actually, um, we're putting, well, we've already done it. Uh, I, I needed uh, more crashes from our teammates and stuff like that. But Devin, you actually made the crash film as well. This is New Heli Direct, 10 worst crashes that we're putting out in a couple months. Uh, and <laughs> nice. I made it. Remember the flight? You had, you, it, there was a flight at the, um, uh, Spring Flame. No, no, wait. That was... Um, Heli-X? Was that Heli-X. Heli-X. Oh, no. Oh, no, not that one. The gasser. Oh, no. It's the gasser. Oh, <laughs> you put it in so bad. So bad. It's so awesome, though. But yeah. I didn't even dump thumb that heli. It would have been funny if it was a dump thumb. No, it exploded. <laughs> it, just, it just went up in a ball of like nuclear like explosion. Like it was crazy. Yeah. The main chef said, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Uh, dude, I just remember we, when you put that literally the second enemy in existence into the ground 
there was this moment we just looked at each other in absolute silence like dude you just crashed the only other one and urches in like five days (laughs) yeah that happens sometimes yep that happens sometimes the long dart that's great dude that's funny that's a good one and you hear and you hear me on and you hear me on the video going in slow motion going Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, oh that's awesome. a good dumb thumb. That's that's pretty good, man. <laughs> that's great. Uh Scott, Devin, you got anything for Sean? Um I'm waiting yeah. waiting for Sean to come up to the uh northeast. I'm coming, baby. All right. So how long did it take before? Well, I don't know if it really was like finding your stride or not, but like early on, I feel like there was a lot of comments about spam and stuff and overposting or whatever. Cause like, you know, you went from zero to a hundred overnight, basically with what you were doing. Right. Did you, did you adjust what you were doing or did everyone get used to it? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, the thing, here's the thing. I take criticism from people that I respect. So like mm-hmm. if someone that I respected came to me and said, Hey man, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, can you, or this looks this way or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. But no, people that I don't know or that I don't respect, I wouldn't listen to them at all. And that would actually fuel me to go even harder. So even if it wasn't <laughs> me, it was my team, you know, team members like going in ham as well. So, and, and, and here's the thing, man. It's like, and, and and Jamie will tell you this. We've we've had a long conversation about this. Uh, uh, ben Stork, anyone, Matt Botus, anyone who's been in this hobby for a while, if you don't pace yourself and put it on cruise control, you will burn out. And yeah. you know, Nick Nick has to pull me aside sometimes. He's like, bro, dude, you've built like nine helicopters in two days. You need to fucking chill, bro. Like for real. I'm like, you're right. And like, sometimes I'll call him. I'll be like, yeah, I've been up since Tuesday and it's like, you know, Sunday or something. He's like, dude, go to sleep. And literally we tell each other the same thing because he never sleeps either. He's like always gone, like, you know, cutting these, you know, podcasts and hotel rooms and stuff. And I'm just like, bro, you need to get home and take a day for yourself. And he's like, dude, listen to your own advice and you take a day for your own self. So, but yeah, you just have to find that sweet spot, man. And, And also too, I will say this, Having people around you that love the the hobby like you do, it kind of mm-hmm. like at first it was just me. It was literally only me. Then Brian came along, then Nick came along, then the Jeff West came along. So I could like go, hey guy, here's a, you know, here's a heli or whatever. Tell me what you think about this. You know, Nick did the um the past uh, what was that? There's a fly wing 450 content and stuff. I actually had that Hewitt at my house and I'm like, you know, Nick, you, you want to try this out? He's like, sure. So he gives it a try, you know, and I'm able to like kind of, you know, spread it a little bit. So I'm just not like, you know, the guy all in people's faces. But to be honest, we're going to we're going to turn it up um, a notch, but not in the way it was before in a different way. Um, we've got mm-hmm. some secret sauce on some things to kind of help the hobby and, you know, help Heli Direct grow. Um, we've been doing really, really, really extremely well, especially with the torque servos. And I know a lot of people don't really know, but, you know, Pulse, Pulse batteries has never uh, fallen off. I mean, maybe maybe they weren't talked about as much, but we're still selling like we were, you know, five, six years ago. And it's steady and it's just it's on time. We're in cars, we're in helicopters, we're in airplanes, we're in all kind of stuff. So 
But we 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 figured out some cool stuff, Sam and I and this, you know, some other people about how to kick this up in another gear where the same people won't feel it. It'll be bringing in new people into the hobby. So um, when I first got on with Heli Direct, you know, <laughs> I used to say this all the time. I was like, Sam, uh, let's make Heli Direct the biggest hobby store on the planet. And he would say that. I mean, I would say it and he would get real quiet. And he'd be like, man, he was like, oh, well, hold on, you know, hold your horses, quiet down a little bit. You know, I'm like, dude, like I don't get into anything not to make it the best on the fucking planet, bro. Like that's not my style. I'm not here to be average at anything. I want to be the best at everything. And if the best means putting the most smiles on as many faces as possible, then I want to be that guy. That's yeah. awesome, man. I just wanted to say too, like it definitely, I definitely feel like you've hit your stride now to the point. It's, it's awesome. Like it doesn't feel spammy anymore. It feels like there's, there's good content, everything that's posting and everything you guys are, you're doing and making these videos. It seems like you're bringing a lot of, a lot of um, depth to what you're posting now, which is great. I love it. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Uh, and we still have a, a spot open on uh, uh, Heli Direct for you, Scott, if you ever change your mind. I'm just... <laughs> you guys need a janitor, huh? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> All right uh, so, Sean, usually folks that uh, come on our CHN, we like to just offer up the opportunity to just say whatever the hell you want, man. The floor is yours. The hobby's listening. Anything you want to say to everybody? Um, if you are driving right now, I want you to make a hard left turn, no matter where you are, if you're on the freeway or oh wherever. <laughs> hard left turn. I'm just joking. Do not do that. Don't do it. Um, yeah, go right. right. Take the <laughs> no, orange no. out of the Tesla steering wheel. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> No, I just want to say, listen, man, if you're listening to this, um, well, first, let me say before I answer that question, Nick, I want to I want to thank you for your awesome introduction, man. It really uh, I'm not going to say a, a tear came, but it was almost, you know, thank you for the the, the nice introduction. You know, I want to I, I don't know. I just want everyone to have fun, man. I want us to fly to awesome stuff, to drive the awesome stuff, you know, go to all these fun flies shake hands, kiss babies, and just have a great time, man. I can't even tell you how many, you know, just how Hellies have helped me in my own personal life with just relationships with business people, uh, understanding people a little bit more and a little bit better, understanding different cultures. Uh, <laughs> Sam and I went through something. Well, Sam, Donnie, and I went through something with, uh, with the manufacturer over in China. And, uh, you know, I was just talking or whatever, and I asked some questions or whatever. And, um, you know, Sam, you had to pull me aside. He's like, bro, you know, you know, they don't really talk like that. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, yeah, they do it like this and blah, blah, blah. And like this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, gotcha. You know, for me, you know, uh, most of my business as far as like music or TV and stuff like that has been with people here in the States. And uh, and, and even when it's, you know, people overseas, uh, you know, dealing with stuff in Japan. Each culture is so different. The nuances of how words are said or inflections and a lot of times through text or, you know, things that are written down and not, you know, said, you know, with with with, you know, vocally with face to face can mean something else. So I'm still learning anyone out there who who I've offended and didn't know I did. I apologize. I'm not here to make anyone upset. You know, and uh, but I do have, you know, my my boundaries, too, as well. But um, but all in all, man, you know, 
my heart is in it to just have fun, enjoy this hobby. If if it's driving you crazy, step away from it. You know, seek people who 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 make you feel encouraged and happy. Uh, stay away from negative energy. Concentrate on good things. Wake up and whoever your creator is, I don't care if it's, you know, if you believe there's a God or if you don't, send out good vibes to people, man, and look for good vibes in people. And when you stay on that frequency, man, I'm telling you, life is amazing there. It just really is. Right on, man. Well, uh, certainly, we certainly appreciate you coming on uh, RCHN. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Thanks for letting us throw the biggest problems in the hobby at you and, and seeing what, what bounces back. Um, and uh, if, if anyone listening you know, has a question for you or whatnot, is there a way they can reach out to you? Uh, yeah, you can hit me at K at helidirect.com. That is the best way to get to me. Um, I will give you my cell phone number, but I don't want any dick pics. Um, so gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Devin. I like, have to worry about Scott. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, damn, Scott's got my cell phone number, so maybe I need to change it. <laughs> no, nah, don't worry about it. The camera resolution is too low to pick up something that small. We're good. Oh! <laughs> is this really the note we're going to end on the dick pic note is that is that what yeah, I, I got something that will we'll end off on a good note so sean i want one answer one answer one word no explanation nitro or electric mm! oh why are you doing that to me <laughs> you know the right answer i'm gonna say nitro man my man that's right. the dude right there <laughs> <laughs> No, let me just say this. Let me say this before we. Yeah, yeah. So, for all you guys out there that are intimidated by the electric 700s that have so much power, I'm telling you, I'm please listen to me. Get your hands on a SAB Raw 580. I'm telling you, you will have the best time of your life. Long flight times, it takes everything uh, just maybe a beat slower so you can kind of process dirt, certain, certain maneuvers. It's once you set the 55 up on there, man, it's pretty much the OS 55. It's pretty much rock solid. Just getting, getting, you know, not running too lean or too rich. Once you set that up, make sure your batteries are charged. You can bring some fuel to the, you know, to the field, couple flight packs, and you're good all day. So if you're thinking about nitro and you're not sure, please. Get a nitro bird. That's all I'm going to say. This sounds like advice from someone who's never hot started a nitro helicopter in their hands. Because <laughs> yeah. let me tell you, a 700 at full song is not as scary as a pissed off nitro on the bench trying to kill you. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, don't worry. If he does, I'll be sure and report it here. <laughs> oh, in slow-mo, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, thanks again for coming on, Sean. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Love you guys. Bye, Sean. All right, see you. See ya. Who knew I would make it this far? They hated, they never believed me. Yeah, I would never drop the ball. I know I make it look easy. Yeah, Mayweather with the defense. I don't care what a critic got to say. I got him picking up the pieces. All right, man. That was that was uh, that was fun hanging out with Sean for for an hour or so. There. Would you? What did you? Uh, what did you guys think? Dude, that guy is boisterous as fuck. <laughs> what does he do again? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Dude, it was fun. It was fun to listen to him. It was because. I noticed that uh, in this interview, I got to get a lot of insight into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how we go from 
something new to something in people's hands, the whole marketing and product development piece and content creation. That was interesting. You know, it's not directly heli related, but because it relates to our hobby to hear from a guy on the industry, that side of the industry is kind of neat. So I appreciated part of that. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I hope people take away from that, yes, there's all of that side too. And that's certainly a topic that interests me, but and I just hope people realize that that Sean is this jovial, happy man. I, I freaking love flying with the dude because you just can't be in a bad mood around him. He's always, you know, lifting up the Atlanta heli crew um, and, and keeps us motivated and bonded to each other and just, you know, having a good old time. So, you know, he's a he's a he's a great one in the hobby to know a good friend of mine. Um, so I'm glad we had him on. Uh, and I hope, uh, you know, some other people realize uh, just sort of the other side of Sean, what a good dude he is. But uh well, what about you guys, uh, Devin and Scott? I've I've spent a lot of time with Sean. We've gone to a lot of events together. And it was cool to hear about that side that he works on because he doesn't talk too much about it in public. When there's other people around, it's, it was very interesting to hear what's going on with him and his view on the marketing side of it and the team managing side of it as well. Yeah, it was cool hearing his opinion on all of that and how much he wanted to be involved. Uh, you know, chatted with him before, but you never really get into that depth at a fun fly because halfway through a conversation, something cool happens. Someone does an overspeed and you know me, I'm like squirrel. And that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool. Right on. Well, certainly thanks Sean for coming on and, and chatting with us all. So with that, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap it up for this week. Uh, only thing left to do is sort of email. So certainly if you want to get in touch with Dan, uh, I would definitely give him another couple of weeks probably before he's around to replying to much in the way of messages. But you can certainly uh, park an email in his waiting list at uh, dan at rchnv3.com. You can hit me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. Throw those nitro beginner questions at me uh, or hit me up on Facebook at nickwisdomrc. Uh, what about you, Devin, if folks want to get a hold of you? Uh, you can hit me up, Devin McClellan, on Facebook. Shoot me a text through Messenger or Devin at rchnv3.com. And uh, Scott? Probably the best way to get a hold of me is no reply at rchnv3.com. And uh, Facebook, <laughs> if you can find me. <laughs> uh, my space is dead at facebook.com is where I would be. Oh, goodness. All right, yeah, give Rob, me a week. What about Don't you? talk to me for a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you want to get a hold of me, the way you would do that is um, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Um, you could hit me up on Instagram at nextgenrc, Facebook at nextgenrcfb, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. This has uh, been episode 29, the Sean Hall interview. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for all the support on Locals. Check us out on Facebook at RC Heli Nation, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.